Welcome to the Rush Hour Podcast. Sit back and relax or hop on the treadmill for the next hour as we talk Saskatchewan Rush Lacrosse. Every month, Jake Elliott will talk with Saskatchewan players, coaches, executive and team personnel about all things Rush Lacrosse. And now, the host of the Rush Hour Podcast, Jake Elliott. Rush Nation, what's going on? Thanks for joining us here once again for the Rush Hour podcast presented by Merlin Ford Lincoln, your premier choice for Fords and Lincolns in Saskatoon. I am not in Saskatoon, but my podcast partner is. His name is Ryan Flaherty. My name is Jake Elliott. We are the voices of the Saskatchewan Rush. This is episode seven, and it's a good one. It'll be our final episode of the season unless we're told otherwise which we have not been yet ryan flaherty but evan kirk and jeff shatler on the program today looking forward to these two conversations and looking forward to catching up with you my friend how are things going back in saskatoon oh hearing that final word uh, you know it's just, know. Uh, it's tough to hear i mean i will i would be more than happy to do another one hey maybe we'll get a chance but I think we're all looking at the reality of things right now. Uh, you know what? Things are okay. I got a haircut yesterday. I was going to so say. I was first gonna... time in three months I got <laughs> shocked. I was actually due for one right when everything shut down. Uh-huh. Been, I, I could put it off for a week. Sometimes I go three. Sometimes I go four. This is important TV stuff. Right, Jake. right, right. And, you know, can't let it get too long or shaggy. And I've been pushing it a little bit, and it bit me because then everything shut down, and then I was stuck. So I went literally since the middle of February, and boy, oh, boy, did that feel good. I feel like I lost five pounds <laughs> just from the top of my head, dude. Well, I, so, I was, uh... uh, so, so my spirits are a little lifted this week, okay. even though, obviously, we still don't have any live sports. But, you know, a few things are starting to reopen, so, you know, you got to look at the positive yeah half full half full i was like i was gonna say like i saw the the before picture i was gonna go with (laughs) ryan shaggy flaherty that was gonna be your new new name but you got it chopped (sighs) off looking much better trimmed up uh that's something literally i have never had to well i don't want to say never but like i haven't paid for a bottle of shampoo or a haircut (laughs) Since I was 17 years old. So we're talking 30 years here, Flats. I, I don't know where all that haircut and shampoo money has gone, but I have not spent any on, on those two things. Yeah, you might want to not, not want to do the math on that and think no. about what you could have had. Right. Right. <laughs> Tips, all the rest of it. Uh, anyways, man, um, that's good to hear. I know Saskatoon's doing pretty well with the whole COVID thing. And, and similar to here in BC, like they're talking kids going back to school for a month in June. I, I'm not so sure about that, but business is slowly starting to reopen. We've seen uh, the UFC pushing through NASCAR, make a, a return with no fans. Uh, the Bundesliga soccer back there in, in Germany is, is fired back up with no fans. So, Golf, uh, we saw a golf event uh, over the, yep. the Victoria Day long weekend. Happy Victoria Day long weekend, by the way. Uh, so good signs that we're kind of heading in the right direction as far as the pandemic goes, as far as the world of sports goes. And I know Commissioner Nick Sakevich of the National Cross League was, was on with Teddy Jenner on his podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, and... Still, you know, they've they've canceled the remainder of the regular season. That is old news. But 
coming out uh, today, later today, saying that they're still talking about a postseason tournament, whether it be an extended one with more than eight teams, potentially eight teams, or I think the more likely scenario, and I don't want to get everybody whipped up into a frenzy here and get their hopes up all high because I'm still not sure it's actually going to happen, but for my money, Flats, I think if this thing goes down, it's going to go down with four teams. It's going to be probably either in Vegas or the Mohegan Sun Casino Resort where they can isolate all four teams, personnel, referees, broadcasters, fingers crossed, um, whoever they need to have in their little bubble. They're going to go to a place where they can do that. So I like I think four teams is much more manageable than eight teams. And you have to think if it's the four teams, the rush are going to be in that conversation. I don't see how they couldn't be in that conversation. I mean, they're first in the West, right, as we sit here right now. Uh, it, it, really interesting to contemplate the different, you know, possible scenarios here. I'm with you. I think if it's going to happen – logistically you have to streamline it as best you possibly can while still, you know, giving, you know, a a reasonable level of competition and not making it sort of a a done deal. Um, I, I, I think four teams would be good. Maybe, you know, you play a couple of, you know, best of threes, the old, maybe with the mini game, perhaps maybe Mm. do the old two plus the mini game, and then, and then a finals that's a true best of three. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Uh, but just to get the, mac- the most lacrosse out of the, the deal, you know, uh, would be great. And it would be, uh, I mean, I would love to see a championship awarded regardless, but it would feel a little bit um, like, like, like sort of obligatory if it was just kind of like four teams, each play one game semi. And then we play a one-game final. Like that doesn't seem like it would be enough. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe beggars can't be choosers at this point. Well, maybe they but, do like uh, a round robin memorial cup type. Yeah, that would be format. cool. Yeah, I, I'd be down with that. I mean, look at we, we get uh, the CFL's trying something different this year when they come back. If they come back, this is the time to experiment and try different things. You never know what might catch on and and, and kind of plant the seeds. Uh, for the future. I mean, as we've seen in the NLL, especially with the the change in the number of teams over the years, growth, uh, you know, first some contraction, now we've seen some growth. The playoff format has been tweaked almost every year mm. for like the last five, six, seven years. So who knows what we might see come out of this that might stick, you know, uh, you know, I'm not saying they're going to drastically overhaul it, but this is the time to try some things out um, and and uh, be a little more experimental because fans, you know, aren't as concerned with uh, the the hows and the whys. They just they want to see some action. Yeah. Uh, and so now's the time to maybe play around with things a little bit and and try some things out. So I'd be really fascinated to see how this could all work. Um, and I, again, yes, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it's nice to hear that you know. The, the league and uh, the off league office hasn't closed the book yet uh, entirely on the season. I, 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 that's that's encouraging. Yeah, totally. And and like I said, I don't want to get everybody's hopes up super high that it's going to happen because it's far from a for sure thing. But we have seen the the premier lacrosse league, and and that's a little further down the road. Come up with uh, PLL Island, which I think is an interesting concept. So. 
people are looking for for ways around this thing, and and the NLL and and Board of Governors no different. In and I think everything is on the table as far as what they are willing and prepared to do to get it done. So we'll see how it shakes out. And and, and man, like I I was really lo- you talk about the playoff format changes, and I was looking forward to this playoff format this year more so than any other because yeah. of the fact that it was more of an NFL style and that you could literally end up with two teams in the same division playing in the final. It was literally kind of set up for the two best teams to meet. Like it, it didn't matter what division you were played in all year long. It was about how you did during the regular season, what seed you were going to get, and then your path to the final. And and it like it easily could have been, say, Saskatchewan and Calgary in the final. How crazy would that have been? The, I know, and with apologies to some very good teams out east and in the North Division. I mean, it was. Well, a, I'm just throwing names out there. Like teams, it could have been Halifax, no, no, Buffalo. Yeah. I think I think this is a rush broadcast. Like we would love to ask people who cover the rush and follow the rush. I mean, that would be the dream. Final. I mean, even a rush, you know, not the same rivalry uh, feel to it, but you know, the Seals were starting to tick things up. The mm-hmm. Rush San Diego final mm-hmm. would have been pretty darn interesting. And of course, with the history from last year, a Rush Mammoth final. I'm like, why not? Um, so yeah, like I think what we're seeing in in a, in a lot of sports the last couple of years is a, a a bigger push to get what you said, like the best two teams ultimately meeting in the final if it, if it ends up that way like you're seeing other leagues maybe looking to move away from their conference formats in the playoffs and try to you know reward the teams that are the best and give them the best possible chance to go as far as possible um i i i was really excited to see how this bracket was going to shake down looks like we'll have to wait for another year to see that but uh i'm with you like it's a really interesting uh, way to do it. It's too bad we're not going to see it this year, but hey, who knows? Maybe if they do a mini version, maybe they do a mini version of that with four four teams or something. Uh, who knows? Yeah, yeah. And then you know we're kind of still waiting. Uh, we saw the commissioner come out with news that a, a 14th team was going to be announced, and what I think that window is kind of passed. You said 30 to 60 days, probably a couple of months ago now, but. Uh, I don't know what's happening there. I would expect that news to, to be on the burner, but with all this going on, who who really knows? Um, as it's Jake Elliott, Ryan Flaherty with you here on the Rush Hour podcast. And, and one thing that we did on episode six, Ryan, was mention the fact that we are kind of going to go down the rabbit hole of the trade that kind of turned the Rush's franchise fortunes around and it's like it's literally still evolving as we go um the latest that's kind of not updated on our timeline here for for those that don't know my podcast partner on lacrosse classified and very well known in your parts uh flats evan schemenauer who writes a, a a blog called random thoughts and avid rush fan obviously as well kind of chronologically laid out the timeline of how it all began and it, and it really start this is wild stuff i <laughs> i sent no, you yeah, and, and it's long and it, it's but hey like what we we don't have games to break down or to preview so uh this is this is the direction we're going in here in quarter one before we get to uh jeff shatler here in about 10 minutes so 
Back in 2011 is when this kind of all began, and it started out with Derek Keenan trading away, I believe the captain at the time, Brody Merrill, along with Mike McClellan, Dean Hill, a fifth-round pick in 2012, a fourth-round pick in 2013, to Philadelphia, now New England, of course, for eighth in Iannucci, two ends in Iannucci, Evan. I, you got a little typo here. I'll have to uh, alert you of that. Brody McDonald, Alex <laughs> Turner. He, he's, that's going to drive him nuts. I know it will. Uh, Philly's first-round picks. Listen to this. So Merrill, McClelland, Hill, a fifth, a fourth, two Philly for McDonald, Iannucci, Alex Turner, and three first-round picks in 12, 13, and 14. Keenan would ultimately trade every piece that he was got back in that trade, but that's how it kind of all began. Do you recall this? I, I know you were in Saskatoon, but probably watching from afar. Yeah, I mean, I have vague memories because obviously it was such a big blockbuster deal. Admittedly, my NLL uh, really if close following really started when the rush came to Saskatoon, but I was, you know, I went to school in Edmonton and I actually, you know, would pay, you know, kind of keep an eye on the, the rush while, while I was there for the couple of years I was there. And that actually happened. That trade happened just as I was kind of leaving Edmonton. So I was, it was covered obviously in all the local media there. And, you know, even if, without you know, before going all down the road of how this trade kind of played out, like just that trade on its own, yeah, like three is first another round classic, picks. another classic Derek Keenan. Like how I don't know how he like yeah. maybe now it's it's more of a how did he keep doing this? Maybe back in 2011 he was still maybe yeah. <laughs> doesn't quite had people quite hadn't caught on yet. Yeah, uh, but man, oh man, like and I'm not saying he gave nothing up because obviously Brody Merrill, he's still though still good. You know, there are great the pieces in this deal going both ways, but to get three first rounders in addition to a, a guy in Iannucci who had, you know, was a huge point producer uh, for a time. And Brody you know, was, McDonald and Alex Turner, who was yeah, pretty productive back like, then as well. Those all, all good pieces. So uh, pretty impressive just, just on, on its own uh, to, to go there and then to be able to deal all of those picks yeah. and get guys back for them. Like, well, let's, it, uh, let's, yeah, let's, let's keep going here. Let's, <laughs> that was only paragraph one flats. Uh, <laughs> so I Nucci, stay with us here. This gets this week. We're going down the hole here. I Nucci soon after gets traded to Vancouver, along with a second round pick coming back for Paul Rabel and a first round pick in 2012. Vancouver selects Justin Pitchell with their second-round pick. That's great. Edmonton would select one Mark Mailman Matthews with their first-round pick, and that's really where the change started. Rabel would ultimately be traded for Jared Davis, so you start to see how one trade really started to change the fortunes. I think uh, that, uh, that Matthews pick has worked out okay, would you say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on. And again, you could stop right here and go, man, like he turned that into Mark Matthews. So like even on its own, that seems like a pretty darn good deal, right? Yeah, and but, of course, Keenan knowing Matthews the way he did and, and all the rest of it, right? Like he was like a second son to him, or it still is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, 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 that's, and that's just, you know, just getting started here and assembling the the fearsome lineup that they, that they have these days. Yeah, so... 
They get uh, Rabel. They trade him for Jared Davis, who I, he won a championship with them. And I know he was kind of a real tough let go from from Keenan when he continued to start to build a team. Jared Davis, real serviceable player for him as well. So then Brody McDonald is traded three years later to Minnesota with the 2014 first rounder acquired from Philly for Tyler Carlson, Minnesota's first round pick in 14, their second round pick in 15. Minnesota picks up Miles Thompson with their pick, the Rush draft, Ben McIntosh and Dan Taylor with their two picks. Taylor traded away for a third rounder in 2020, but now Benny Mack into the still, along with Tyler Carlson trading away Brody McDonald. Yeah, and I mean, both Tyler Carlson and Dan Taylor were important pieces of the team while they were with the Rush, right? Like Carlson you know, didn't play a ton, uh, although he's, I believe his first season, I don't have the stats in front of me. I think he played a fair number of minutes in his first year with the rush. After that though, he was relegated primarily to the backup role, but a, a glue guy in the room, really hot, really popular player, um, kept morale high all the time with the team. And then of course, Dan Taylor, very serviceable forward. Who's really blossomed now in Calgary in his hometown. Uh, just one of those cases where the rush, where they, as he developed, they just their forward group was just too stacked, and, yeah. and he wasn't getting the same kind of opportunities he's received in Calgary, where he's shown he can produce. But I mean, again, so like with those moves, you get you, get, you know not only a, a star a star star forward, a superstar forward, and Ben McIntosh, but you also get two really good complementary pieces as well. That seems to be the reoccurring trend here. Turner is ultimately traded away to Minnesota for a third round pick. That pick again is traded to Calgary as they get Marty Dinsdale. And as we know, Marty Dinsdale scoring the championship winning goal in their second cup run. Um, So to get Dinsdale for a third round or all that pretty impressive as well. The 2012 first rounder Edmonton received from Philadelphia was traded to Buffalo, who then traded again to Minnesota, who ultimately ultimately picked up the Moose Kyle Matisse, along with a second round pick in 2011, Jeremy Thompson. In exchange for Chris Corbeil, a few years later, the Rush trade to get Thompson back and give up Aaron Wilson and a pick that becomes Nick Diachenko, who... Didn't really pan out a whole lot. Uh, Spent a little bit of time in Toronto. Aaron Wilson, a very good pro over his years as well. But Jeremy Thompson, Chris Corbeil, there's your captain and your most popular player for Rush Nation right there, JT. Then your face-off guy. You know, you got that key position settled for years to come as well. Yeah, not not too bad that you you trade away a pick that, turns into a player that they then acquire right so really you got him twice (laughs) yeah pretty pretty impressive stuff and obviously Corbeil I mean what can you say about what the captain has meant to this franchise over the years and uh and you know will likely for some some more to come here um it's just it's just mind-boggling to see how all these pieces are starting to kind of fall into place. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Okay, 2013. These are Evan's words, so I'm just going to read verbatim here because I think that's probably the best way to do it. It's a little confusing. The 2013 pick is much more confusing to follow. I told you it was going to be confusing. And the gift that still keeps giving to this day. Edmonton traded their own 2013 first-round pick for Zach Greer, but they kept the pick from Philly. 
a year later, and the pick Minnesota now owns from Edmonton is the fifth overall. The Edmonton they pick Edmonton. Sorry, the pick Edmonton owns from Philly is number four. Minnesota wants to move up, so they trade Nick Bielich to Edmonton to swap picks. Minnesota drafts Cam Flint. There's a swing and a miss. Edmonton drafts Robert Church. Oh, my goodness. So like, they, they, they switch one pick, four to five, because Minnesota really wanted Cam Flint, and they get Bielich and Church. Like, of all these moves, that might be the biggest uh, I mean, swindle. Leasing. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, how do you – it's just, I mean, picks are, you know, there's there's obviously always some guesswork in the draft, but the, to to think that they moved up, they, all you had to do was swap one, one spot. place. And they and didn't you even get want Nick Bielich out of the deal. Yeah. And let's not sleep on the fact that they also got, because they kept their Phillies pick and traded their own, they also get Zach Greer in the deal. And he was all. <laughs> which like, turned into Adam Jones, which, too. yeah, I think it, it goes on here. So. Greer is eventually traded to Colorado with a first-round pick that becomes Zach Haywire's in exchange for Adam Jones in a second-round pick in 2016, which the Rush used to pick up Nick Finley. Jones is then traded away for two first-round picks to Toronto. Those two first-round picks, Connor Robinson is taken with one. The second pick is in next year's draft. So, of course, they had to use a pick to get Jeff Cornwall back from Buffalo in, in the entry draft or the expansion draft excuse me and now they've of course traded away Nick Bielich so a little out to date here but listen to this Flats this is this is kind of the the capper the rush received this is all coming from the Merrill trade here the rush in return ultimately received Mark Matthews Ben McIntosh Robert Church Chris Corbeil Jeremy Thompson Nick Bielich Marty Dinsdale Nick Finley Connor Robinson Brody McDonald for three years Zach Greer for five years Jarrett Davis for four years Dan Taylor for three years Tyler Carlson for five years Toronto's first round pick in 2019 their third in 2020 and that just follows all the so they uh, ultimately they give up Merrill Miles Thompson Kyle Matisse Zach Hairwires. Uh, and Greer for two years, along with McClellan, Hill, Gibson, Don Alton, Justin Pitchell, Aaron Wilson, Tiachinko, and like the three quarters of that oh. list that they gave up are, is not even in the league and may, might have played a handful of games. Yeah, like it's it's absolutely stunning when you when you look at the summary of just the sheer number of players and that and and the amount of years they played or or have played with the rush compared to what they gave up i mean it's it's you know there's a mind couple of, there's, there's some quality players on the other side i mean a brody merrill miles thompson kyle matisse you know but mind-boggling mind-boggling this is this is you be now you you get a sense of how Derek keenan has uh gained his reputation as a, as a, such a shrewd gm like we know Obviously, the coaching resume is easier to kind of quantify because you can look at his win-loss records and championships and all that sort of thing. You know, from a GM perspective, you can you can look at that, but it's not as direct. So to look at something like this in a, in a over time and a summary like that, a, a trade tree with roots that you know I don't know you could ever dig up without the biggest backhoe in in the land. Like it's 
it's pretty impressive stuff yeah. and uh, just shows you how the Russia have been able to sustain the level that they've been at for as long as they have because he's been able to make these moves and he's always seems to be one step ahead. Like before, you know, a player, uh, you know, is past their prime or, or, you know, while they still have value, he manages to get max value on almost every trade he makes. And when you lay it all like that, like that, it's just, Wow. Like, yeah, there's yeah, not a lot no, of words. I I, I'm hoping uh, listeners found that as interesting as I did. And, and kudos to, to Evan for chronologically laying that out and digging. And, and to, to the corporal there at swarmitup.com where you can find kind of all the drafts and the trades and everything. He, he keeps an unbelievable database of all that sort of stuff as well. So uh, kudos to those guys. And you're right. Like, I, I think the fact that Derek is able to kind of – He's like a, a master chess player. He's able to see three, four, five moves ahead of the next guy, and, and including getting prepared for expansion and kind of stocking yeah. the cupboards, knowing that he's going to lose players but has those picks to reacquire guys that he may lose or draft guys that he may covet. So I think he's been real forward thinking in that and, and prepared this franchise for, for years to come. And, of course, sooner or later the – People are going to get hip to it, you would think, and the cupboard may dry up a little bit, but uh, three championships later, and, and I, I'm not so sure. Like, I think he's going to, like, just seeing what he did with Tristan Rye, getting that guy for what he did, and, yeah. and a pick to go along with it. Like, it's it's still happening. So, I thought that was pretty fascinating stuff. I hope the listeners did as well, and um, Evan will get back to penning out random thoughts in short order as well. Uh, you can find that now on Lacrosse Flash instead of Lacrosse All-Stars, by the way. Uh, next time he bangs one of those out. Uh, that was a good opening quarter there, Flats. We got to get the break. We got Shatler on the other side. Episode 7, Season 2 of the Rush Hour Podcast presented by Merlin Ford Lincoln. Jeff Shatler is next. <laughs> Hey, Rush Nation, this is Robert Church from the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to the Rush Hour podcast presented by Merlin Ford Lincoln, your premier choice Ford Lincoln dealer in Saskatoon. Welcome back to the Rush Hour podcast presented by Merlin Ford Lincoln, your premier choice for Fords and Lincolns in Saskatoon. Our next guest knows that he is a member of the Saskatchewan Rush. She wears number 77 in your Lucky Rush program. Also, the founder of the Shatler Lacrosse Academy. It's one Jeffrey Shatler back on the podcast. Shats, how are you, my friend? I'm well, buddy. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, bud. Uh, I'm doing okay, and and my pleasure, our pleasure. Thanks for for coming back. I know you you got your hands full at the hacienda there with your your two young boys and uh, lovely wife Lindsay. You guys uh, actually just got back from a little family. Uh, I don't know road trip, little family getaway. I know Lindsay's family has a, a nice little cabin, little cottage, as you say, uh, out there in Fernie, British Columbia. I've never been to Fernie, but it looked some great pictures coming out of there with you and the family. How was that? It was unbelievable. You know, like uh, when all this uh, all this started here with the with the shutdown of the world. Um, you know, we were stuck inside, and my boys. Uh, you know, they were going a little bit stir crazy, especially my little guy Jack, Jason. We decided uh, to go down to the cottage. It was an eight hour drive. We only stopped once at the gas station. Boys stayed in the car, so we we're trying to be as safe as possible to travel across country. Um, got down there, and we were there for what thirty three days. 
had a blast, man. It's a private uh, private lake, no motorboats, so huge lot. So the kids uh, got to roll around and, and have some fun and, and uh, you know, stay safe and stay away from people. So that was I thought that was the safest place for my boys to have some fun and pass some time and get them out of our hair kind of. Um, with two little guys, they got a lot of energy. So and it's a, little, a big space for them. it's a little bit different when you go to a place like that where you feel completely safe with your surroundings, where you can just kind of open the back door up and say, go outside and, and go have some fun, and you don't have to worry about them getting smoked by a car or falling off a cliff. Like, it's just nice to kind of rest your mind at ease and just let your kids go be kids. Yeah, no doubt, man. It was, uh, like I said, a huge lot. The only thing we had to really worry about was the my little guy, Chase, getting down to the lake. Yeah. But we put on his uh, life jacket, and he just rolled around. and tried to get it off, but as long as he had his life jacket on, we knew, we knew he was safe. And our little guy, Tucker, the dog, he, he falls around their best bud, so he's always protecting them anyways. Jeff, what about for, for you and, and for Lindsay? Like, I mean, obviously the kids love getting out there, but for you just to get the change of scenery, to clear your mind maybe, and, and just because I know you got some stuff in the works with the academy, like how nice is it for you to be able to have a to have another place you could were able to kind of go and spend some time? Oh, it was huge, man. It was just a reset button, really, you know. Um, you know, we got a nice little spot here in Regina, but, you know, if, with all the parks closed, you know, you got to – social distancing you know my son my two boys haven't seen humans in you know, quite a long time so um you know one one thing is they, they look they love to play and you know we used to have you know um kids dates they come over they play we go in the backyard but my little guy he's just by himself and now he's just picking on his little brother so i think he's starting to the little guy he's going to be a tough kid though man um you know jace really really picks on them so we're trying to work on that but with, hey you know, that's what big brothers do man and that's how they get tough shots uh you gotta have the big brother picking on the little brother and then all of a sudden the, the little brother says enough of that at a certain age and and that's how they become uh they go from boys to men really yeah no doubt man uh my little guy he's wearing the same size clothes as my uh my older guy, <laughs> <laughs> he, this little guy yeah. is he a lefty is he a lefty shot uh well jason's a righty uh, I'm not too sure about this little guy yet, but we'll find out shortly. Um, he's starting to crawl, and I think he's going to start walking here in the next month or two. So once that happens, all hell should break loose in this household. Nice, nice. Um, let's let's talk about your career here a little bit, shots. And and you're kind of one of those guys that is nearing. I don't want to I don't want to send you down the hill quite yet, but you're nearing the end of your career. I think we can both be real about that. How tough is yeah. it for for you, a guy like you, later in his career to have a season just cut in half and then ultimately kind of feel like you're you're missing out on on one of maybe the last years of your career? Yeah, it's uh it was tough, you know, like uh, we were about to fly to Calgary and, and uh, I was uh, just coming back from a camp out in Calisys um, and they had said, don't jump on the flight. And they said, you know, we're gonna, the season's been shut down for two weeks. As soon as they said that, I knew the season was going to be over. Um, you know, you just had that inkling in the back of your mind, you know, they're shutting down a game and that's never really happened in any sport. Now you got the NBA, NHL. And I'm like, oh man, this is going to, this is going to be our season. So, um, you know, as time went on, you know, um, it was tough. You know, like um, like you said, I got a, maybe a year or two left, and and then all of a sudden my my season's done. But at the same time, when I think about it, I've never really not played lacrosse before, and I was always traveling. I was working day and night, day and night, weekends flying. 
it gave me a lot of time to hang out with my boys and my wife. So, um, you know, it's not all negative. I know I get to hang out with my little guys and my wife and, you know, get, get some family time. Then, so and maybe recover really physically a little bit too, Shots. Like, I mean, to, to help heal up the body. I know you went through a, a, you know, a rough summer season there a couple of years ago in the President's Cup as well. So, like, maybe a little bit of time off before next year might be a good thing for you as well. You know, I, I don't know. I... I healed pretty quickly. Uh, I, I, I wasn't feeling too bad. You know, I was, I was, you know, where our team was starting to roll. I felt great. You know, goals were going in. So I felt like we was, you know, we had a shot at winning another one this year. And that was the one unfortunate thing. You know, we uh, we had a good squad this year, you know, with Dilks coming back, great leadership. And, you know, we, uh, we had one big game at the end there. And, and no one knew that that might be our last game of the season. It's just crazy. You just don't take anything for granted. You know what I mean? Um, it sucks, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's for the safety of our fans, our players, you know, our families. So I think it was the right decision by the league. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, it sucks that, you know, we, we lost out on half the seasons. And uh, obviously, you know, this week we hear, we get the news that, you know, there's not going to be any summer ball. Uh, no, uh, no man, you know, that's, that's tough. Cause I know you like playing that too. Uh, is there, do you, are, do you play the what if game? Like, are you, do you sit there going all, oh, you know, you mentioned it, we had a pretty good team this year. Like how much energy, mental energy are you, do you spend at all on sort of like the, what, what if, or what could have been, or I guess, you know, the door's not completely closed, but it, it, it uh, you know, how much time do you, have you devoted to thinking, ah, oh, you know, what, what could have been or what could have been? Well, the one thing is, uh, you know, having my boys, you know, being able to watch. I know Jason loves watching me play, whether it's on TV or, uh, you know, at the games. And, you know, I have an opportunity to play in front of my little guy. And, you know, he enjoys it so, so much. And so do I. I love lacrosse, you know. Um, but like I said, you know, anything could have happened. Like, honestly, we finished first place last year and lost to Colorado in the first round. You know, they got lucky it is what it is so you never know what could happen it's crazy lacrosse is a crazy world uh and the way it's all set up you know you have one bad game you never know how it kind of broke down so um the one thing that, I, that gets me through all this is is one you know um, i'm focusing on the academy and trying to work on things in july august i know that the sla is trying to um, start up something small in july and that's what they're working towards. So I've been focusing on that, keeping my mind occupied with that. And we're starting some online sessions, um, I think next week. So the kids can go on for an hour. And I know a lot of people have been asking about it. So now we're going to be trying to shoot for that. So my mind's trying to be occupied to keep it filled. And these little guys keep me busy. So I really don't have much time on my hands when I'm at home. Well, you set me up there, Shaz, because I was going to ask you about the plans with the academy because I know we were talking last week and you were, you were mentioning there was some stuff going there. So, you know, what what sort of – you mentioned some online sessions. There. Maybe you, you, could you tell us a little bit more, fill in sort of the plans and, and what, you know, lacrosse players, maybe some young lacrosse players in, in Saskatchewan might have an opportunity to take part in here over the next little while. Well, we uh... – We've been, I've been talking to SLA and Bridget Pottle there. She's a she's um she takes care of all that kind of stuff and we were discussing about maybe putting something together online session for an hour three times a week. Um I know that we are thinking about maybe even having a tournament in August if everyone is interested. Um I know Wayburn 
they are excited to get something started, but it might be outdoors. But like, it all depends on if they open up the parks and that. You know what I mean? Like, they just open up malls, and we'll see how that works. But Saskatchewan's not a very big hub. You know what I mean? People don't fly into Saskatchewan to fly elsewhere. Yeah. So people are usually just drive through Saskatchewan. So uh, up until recently, there hasn't really been that many COVID cases, and it seems like it's starting to work its way down. You know, knock on wood. So we're hoping that you know something. Some some sort of normalcy comes back in July, August. So here's hoping, man. You really don't know. So right now we're just taking a day by day. Well, one thing I know as we speak with Jeff Shatler here from the Saskatchewan Rush on Rush Hour is that when things get back to normal, and I think ultimately, Shats, I think until we get a vaccine, I don't know if we'll ever truly be normal. But as things start to assemble back to normalcy, one thing I know, I hope, is that the TikToks don't stop here, man. Like I, I know they started because of the quarantine, but I'm hoping they don't stop because we're we're allowed back out again. These things have been absolute fire. How did how did it begin and, and like where are these ideas coming from, man? They are sensational. Yeah, that, that was uh big thanks to my wife for that. Uh usually the boys go down to bed, she has a glass of vino, I have a pint, and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Uh, it's usually the way it works, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I, I, that's, that's my wife for sure. Um, you know, she, she has one more she's dying for me to do. A lot of work, man. You know, they you are, know, right? There's no joke. Uh, it's know, no joke. out of control. So they're getting really elaborate lately. And uh, so I shut her down for a little bit, you know. Uh, but you never know. My wife gets bored. Okay. And she wants to well, I, get hey, man, I was. I, I, I couldn't have been more impressed that you actually fit into one of her dresses, man. Like that was. Uh, yeah, like, man. That was. Well, she doesn't wear that one anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that one's cooked. Um, yeah, yeah, that one's done. It was pretty funny. I, I pulled that one off, but yeah, it's been. You know, you got to do something to keep your mind occupied. You know, and us being stuck in the house, I think we were stuck in the house for about forty days straight. Yeah, and you know, we had people drop off our groceries. They leave it at our front door. They'd walk away. Like there was, like, we don't want to leave my house at all. You know, little guys. You know. Just with like growing up around not around kids, you know, I'm you know their development and everything like that, you know, they they want to just they just want to play. Yeah, and I can't even bring my little guy to a park. You know, when we were in Calgary, we had the indoor parks, and you know, my little guy would just buzz around, and I felt safe in there. You know, he's having fun, interacting with kids. But now it's just. He's just stuck in the house, and he's starting to lose his mind. Yeah, well, we all are. We all are, shots, and, and uh, no doubt, no. I, I think it's it's we're we're starting to make the turn here, and and I think things are on the path to, to getting better. And um, before we let you go here, and I know we're you're kind of on hiatus right now, but let uh, listeners of of Rush Nation and and fans in Saskatchewan, excuse me, let them know where where they can find your academy and and how to sign up and all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, it's uh, just at the www.shatlacrossacademy. Uh, uh, we will be starting an online session. I believe it's next week. You can go on to the website. Check the link. Um, you know, uh, you can pay via credit card, um, I believe. I'm not sure exactly what is. Uh, we're, we're teaming up with SLA. Um, SLA, and we're going to be going through all the Saskatchewan players. Everyone should be getting an email. Uh, either through the SLA or your president of your organization. And we are going to be kicking this off next week. Super excited for it. Um, and then, you know, it gives the kids an hour of, you know, working out and skills and drills and maybe keep their mind occupied and keep their, their love of lacrosse 
and they're interested interested in it. Good stuff, man. Uh, hey, all the awesome. best to, to you, Lindsay, the boys. I know you're heading back to Fernie in a little bit. Uh, so safe travels, and uh, I hope we get to see each other in person sooner than later, man. Thanks for doing this. Not a problem, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure, bud. Right, right there. That's right, 77, Jeff Shatler. And, uh, I mean, Flats, we could we could talk a long time about what Jeff Shatler has accomplished in his career and with the rush. And, uh, like, when I think about my favorite players and the type of guys that I love watching play the game, Jeff Shatler is always near the top of the list. Like, people forget that this guy is a former MVP and transition player of yeah. the year. I think it is. I mean, like the list of accomplishments is long and impressive. I'm with you. He's just such a great, fun player to watch. And it's because it's so obvious how much he loves to play the game. I know that sounds like a cliche, but there are guys when you watch them play, you can just see that they would not want to be anywhere else than right there, right then playing, playing the game they love. Um, and the Rush are blessed to have a lot of guys like that on the team, but I think Jeff really exemplifies it maybe better than anyone else. I mean, obviously his patented goal celebration that climb up the wall and, and just the, the, the enthusiasm he has, every goal he scores is like the first one, right? Yeah. And this is a guy in year 15 of his career. When you see that kind of passion, that kind of love of the game, yeah. that long into a career, it's it's hard to not enjoy watching it yeah for me like where it shines through the most is like 15 years in the league and and on a turnover there's jeff shatler sprinting his butt back on defense to try and strip the ball and and like any game that you want to play offense defense special teams and if you if you piss him off he'll punch you in the face and and like that those literally are my favorite guys that can do it all and play any play any kind of game that you want, and that's what Jeff Shatler has done for 15 years in this league and still some productive years ahead for 77. Good conversation there in quarter two. Let's move along. Evan Kirk, proud new papa coming up next here on the Rush Hour podcast. Make him work, Evan Kirk, next. Hey, Russ Nation. This is Travis Cornwell from the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to the Rush Hour podcast presented by Merlin Ford Lincoln, your premier choice Ford Lincoln dealer in Saskatoon. We are back. This is the Rush Hour podcast presented by Merlin Ford Lincoln, your premier choice for Fords and Lincolns in Saskatoon. Jake Elliott, Ryan Flaherty, Season 2, Episode 7. Speaking of seven, good chat there with 77, Jeff Shatler. But now we welcome onto the podcast number 35 in your Rush program. It's make him work, Evan Kirk. Kirky, my friend, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for doing this. How are you? I'm good. Just uh, just hearing that news, I'm slightly disappointed. Jeff Shatler made it on before I did. Oh, well, hey, uh, he's he's uh, <laughs> he's a return guest, man. It took I hey, yeah. I, I'll just call you out right now, Evan. I tried to get you on uh, months and months ago. Didn't get a return text. Uh, just ghosted me. So that I gotta wow. try to put that one on you a little bit. Wow! Right back. <laughs> now it's in my court. Well, we're starting off on a good good foot here. <laughs> no, no, no. That's good. But but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question, no, I think uh, like Ryan said before, 
I got nothing but time. I'm a little bored in the, in the quarantine right now, just getting outside. Well, the sun. You can't be that bored. You're a brand new papa. How how has that been going, man? That's a, like This is a crazy time to kind of bring a new child into the world. Uh, I imagine it's probably pretty stressful. How are you doing with all that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very unique situation. I mean, for right off the bat, I mean, it's awesome. She's such an awesome little girl, and uh, you know, it's, it's been great because my my wife obviously on that leave, and then I was working from home, and then kind of stranded. It's like even before the quarantine, we were kind of quarantined at home um, for a couple months before, so we were kind of used to. It wasn't a total shock. We were kind of used to being at home and being together, and I, I don't think a lot of people can say that we've both been home for uh, nine months to raise our our child. So it's 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 stressful at times because you kind of want to go. You go out and see your, you know, your grandparents and your family and you yeah. know your uncles and, and aunts and stuff. And you know, you got to do it at a distance. And I think she's playing shy and strange a little bit. But I mean, uh, kids are resilient, so hopefully, you know, she doesn't know what's going on. So hopefully, she can get over it. And once we're kind of back to, you know, let's say normal, it, it won't affect her too much. But it, it's been good. It keeps my my days nice and busy. It's funny you mention that. Like my sister uh, had her first uh, baby in January. Uh, and, and so like, you know, we got a, a basically two months of, of, of time with the kid before everything. And she's talked about, yeah, like I went over, I finally got to go over for dinner last weekend, still no right. holding the baby or anything like that. But he reacted very oddly, like, because this is like the first time he'd seen anyone other than his parents. So it is an interesting kind of time to be raising a, a, a young child because they don't haven't had maybe that same kind of interaction. Right. Yeah. And like they say that the first four years are like, you know, the most, most important years for like brain development and, you know, sharing and interaction and all that, like, you know, taking months away right, right off the beginning. So we are calling her Muggsy right now because she's mean mugging everybody. She just gives the, <laughs> the, 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 the stern, the stern, mad dog. like, who are you? Yeah. The mad dog doesn't come close to anybody. So. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, on the flip side, like I have a, a father in a, in a long-term care facility and, and haven't been able right. to see him for months, and you talk about taking months away, yeah. that that's the flip side of it, right? And and I finally got a chance to, to go stand on the other side of his window and, and kind of we, we were on the phone talking to each other. Well, he can't talk, but I'm talking, and, and at least I can see him on the other side of the window, but it's that's been kind of the flip side. Like the, you talk about bringing somebody into the world and somebody kind of at the end of their – the rope yeah. a little bit. It's that's that's a tough situation as well. So you know, thoughts go out to everybody in in, in this crazy time that everybody's kind of dealing with something different, and and there is no real normal, and you just kind of got to try and navigate your way through it the best you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little lacrosse here, Evan Kirk. I know the season cut short, but Commissioner coming out uh, just today, in fact, saying that hopes of a postseason tournament not dead yet uh talks of maybe an eight or a four team postseason tournament i'm not exactly sure on the, all the details yet but for a guy that i think had to be in the conversation for goaltender of the year i know you got pulled from one game early in the season but since that point you had that fantastic duel with dylan ward and the mammoth that one game and i thought you were really starting to round into form and, and at the top of your game, Evan, how tough was it for you to have that season just cut in half like that and all of a sudden it'd be over? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I speak for everybody on the team. I just think we were kind of, 
you know, firing all, on all cylinders and, and you know how it is, like, you know, playing, there's that vibe in a room when you've got a, a team that, you know, you just have that feeling that you yeah. know, we're going to do something good this year. And I think the year before, you know, we had a, a rough start, we had a bunch of injuries and it just wasn't the same. And, you know, with expansion and we lost a couple guys, we were kind of getting used to that situation, but like, like I could definitely feel it in the room this year and, and we're really starting to come together just before, you know, this happened and, you know, we were about to head out to Calgary and, you know, get a win there. And we we're in first, first overall in the whole league, right? Like we had, you know, we just had such a great group of guys and it felt like it was, it had it in that room and, and we were kind of coming together um, as a group inside the locker room. And that obviously translate, you know, translates to the floor. And uh, personally, I like, you know, you kind of said situational, like I always kind of, you know, played for something and this year it's kind of changed you know if i'm going to go away every weekend you know for my family i'm going to give it every effort that i have because you know i'm missing time away from my wife and my daughter and um they were kind of giving you know me the momentum and, and it was kind of a unique thing for me because i i came out of the gates you know thinking that you know i'm gonna i'm gonna put my effort um on the floor for them because I, i'm away from them and um i thought i was playing you know personally really really well and um, you know, I had that one pull, but I think if you go around the league, I think out of, you know, eight or nine, let's say, I think Colorado played maybe um, 11 games at that point, you know, people get pulled, you know, more than once. And I thought, I thought I would, I played, you know, more consistent than I ever have in the past. And, you know, it's tough, uh, but it kind of goes back to the whole thing. It's not just me, it's the whole team. And, and we were playing really well. And, you know, the D was clicking, the O was clicking and, you know, camaraderie was awesome in the room and, yeah, it, it was tough, and it's like to take it away from the fans that obviously had something you know special about to happen was really tough. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking with Evan Kirk here, and and I want to talk about your your partner in, in Adam Shoot, and and you went down with an injury last year, and I don't know if it was kind of like your first kind of serious injury where you missed some significant time as a pro, Evan, but but Shooter had to step in and and played quite well. But you're the number one guy. When you came back into to this season, did that give you any kind of extra motivation? Like, hey, I'm going to, like, make sure that people know I'm still number one around Saskatoon here? Because that that was kind of, like, seemed to me the mindset that you came in with. You were real focused, and you wanted to prove something to not only yourself but to everybody else. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely in the back of my head. Like, I always play, you know, with reason and validation to – you know, to kind of step it up in situations. I think that's what athletes do. But I mean, it's funny because like, I feel like every year, even the year I got hurt, I thought I was playing like really well, um, you know, had a tough start, but then was playing really well back in my groove. And, it, and it's, you know, goes hand in hand with how the team as a unit is playing. And I don't think of, and it's tough because I don't think I've ever given any more or less effort than I have since I've kind of stepped into the league, but kind of obviously gradually grown into that position but shooter like you said stepped in and i think to everybody's surprise including himself to go put you know seven games together and play extremely well in all seven games in a row is, is a feat in itself and you know that's what a starting goalie does and he proved that you know he could be a starting goalie for any team in the league so for sure coming back not necessarily proving that i'm number one but like proving that i've got to play you know as as good if not better than i've ever played if i don't want to you know, have Keenan, you know, looking to Shooter as much going, you know, I, he's struggling a little bit. We've got confidence in Shooter. You know, let, let's go to him. Not saying that they didn't before, but, you know, like you said, he proved 
how well he could play. And I, you know, I came back and, and I think that's a good thing is shooter, you know, or Carlson, you know, the years before didn't get as much time. So you, not that you, you become a little bit, you know, lackadaisical, but I think you understand that maybe he's going to be less quick to pull uh, me in, you know, those tough situations. But, you know, I had to basically, you know, show Keenan again and, and put faith back in, in him and the, in the guys that I, I, you know, I'm there to, to be the number one guy hands down. Evan, I figure it's it's appropriate since we're all since a lot of us are stuck at home right now. You talk a little bit about your home, uh, hometown that is, because yep. it's come up on the on the game broadcast. Jake and I have talked about this a lot. Is the Orangeville goaltending mm-hmm. factory? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. What is it about that? Is there a coach or some coaches at the minor level? It's like the milks. what is it it's about Orangeville lacrosse the that that churns out so many good quality goaltenders? Um, it's funny because Cam Dunkerley came into the league um, this year. So he was our third goalie and I traveled with him. Um, he lives just outside of town. So I'd pick him up before the airport. And we had the conversation a couple times. You know, there's, you know, there's B Miller, there's, Nick, you know, the Chris Sanderson, the Kyle Nick Miller, Rose. Nick, Nick Rose, Dylan Ward, you know, yeah. <laughs> Ryland Hartley, Ryland Hartley. Ryan Hartley. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy, even even more so. Now. I mean, Anthony Cosmo likes to say he's orange. He's oh, moved yeah. in here, so he's he's a half he's a half Orangeville guy, but we'll, we'll accept him. They don't allow him in no. Boston Pizza, though. No, absolutely not. But but on honest truth, like we had a conversation, and I said I I personally think that the the whole mentality in Orangeville through the coaching, you know, that I've had that everybody has, they're very they're very. Uh, in a sense, spiritual. Um, you know, you've got to think the game. You've got to be mentally prepared. You don't just show up. Um, you know, and, and turn a light switch. There's very few players who can do that. It's very, you know, if you've got a game in three days, you're, I'm thinking about it this morning. I'm waking up and thinking about how to play. And it's, and I think it goes back to goalie is a very uh, mental mental game. So I, I always teach my goalies it's 80% mental and 20% skill. Um, and I, I always think that because it really shows in, I think in the, in the style of player in Orangeville, it's a mental game. And I think that works well with goalies. So I think that's why, um, to be honest, I think that, um, they're just, they're just churning out a mental game and that helps, um, in, in the aspect of, uh, the goalie position. Speaking with make him work, Evan Kirk and, um, Man, you're you're one of the most flexible guys I know. And goalie's got to be pretty flexible. And and for me, like I don't have a whole lot of equipment <laughs> kicking around my my house here, Evan. I've been trying to, you know, I got myself a yoga mat and some bands and stuff. But trying to do these home body workout weights is is when you weigh as much as I do is is not a fun thing. What kind of things are you doing to keep yourself game ready? Yeah, I mean, it became tough right off the bat. And I think you're, you're giving yourself uh, not enough credit there. You've been working out you know, in the last year. But um, it, it, it's tough because you're, you know, am I getting back to the gym? You know, right off the bat, everyone's kind of like, you know, this is going to be a, a one week, a two week, a three week, you know, what's going on. So I actually built a squat rack and, and kind of changed my my garage into a gym. And um, I have an old school erg, um, like a rowing machine. And, okay. Um, so I, I basically do that, and, and honestly, long walks. It's nice with the dog and the daughter, and put her in a stroller, and we're going, you know, 10k in the morning, and kind of just staying active. And then 
kind of get my workout um, later on in, in the garage. So I've kind of kind of made that that transfer. But like you said, it's all it's hard. You don't have the you don't have all the stuff that you typically use at a gym. You've got to kind of got get creative. Uh, but yeah, just just doing stuff at home. How hard is uh, Coach Keenan pushing you to join the P90X uh, plan? TR, TRX, <laughs> the TRX. TRX. <laughs> he's been, he's no. been pushing it. I know I know Corbs is on it a little bit there, too. And he <laughs> sounds like he's, like, almost trying to sell subscriptions or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, had, we had our group chat going, and we had to prove what we were using. And, and he was showing us nice uh, nice videos, that's for sure. Him, him and Ryan at home. Yeah, well, he uh, he chirped me. I, I had him on lacrosse classified a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, huh? I said I don't have all these fancy uh, TRX uh, gear that you, that you got. And he goes, well, you, you know, Jumbo, you can you can order them online. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, uh, touche, uh, Coach King. Right. Um, you, you mentioned doing a little work from home as well, Evan. Uh, you still with Team Twenty Two Under Armour and, and still selling lacrosse gear? Uh, unfortunately, um, our, our business is, is halted. Okay. So, I, um, they laid every single person off on our company. Uh, Welcome to the club. Was, yeah, and, and and like it's kind of a unique situation. Like I think in a, in an everyday situation, where you're laid off, it's it's not kind of the, the company is as of right now. I don't know where that company is going to be when this all kind of shakes down. And I think that that goes for a lot of lacrosse companies. Just because it, it hit right at that time where, you know, every single store, you know, across the country, that's their main selling season. Yeah. Um, it, you know, even if it even if it opens up, like there's no lacrosse right now and it doesn't look like there will be um, for minor minor clubs or obviously see the WLA and the MSL, you know, they're not there. A lot of people aren't going to go in and actually buy this equipment. So it, it's kind of going to be a two year process for vendors and manufacturers because, um, they're going to be stocked up for the following year. So I think I think it was necessary in the situation. I think, like I said, a couple other companies will be um, falling off the map as well. But in the situation, you know, I, my neighbors are, are both not working. You know, they do sales. They're not working. Uh, my other neighbor here is in, in construction, and, yeah, I think he just started back up. Uh, but everybody's in the same boat, and um, it, it's kind of been, you know, nice at the same time because – um, you know, obviously still do play lacrosse in, in the winter and uh, my wife's got a great job. She's a police officer. So we're, uh, we're just fine and dandy at home and I get to watch my daughter grow up. So it's, it's been really good. Evan, I know you're a big music guy. Yeah. Uh, have you been, what have you been, you know, what have you been listening to? Like what's, what's, what's on the playlist right now? What's, what's, wow. uh, what's been getting the most spins? Yeah. I'd, I'd have to throw, I'd have to throw my wife the bone and say, she's, she's a bigger uh, music fan and myself and i think that says a lot um her and her dad always go to concerts together but i've been listening to a guy a lot uh his name is matt corby mm. i think he might have he might have been on um like australia's idol or whatever there is that it is over there uh but he's an alternative um uh, guy he's a, he's from australia he was supposed to come over here in toronto in june so obviously that was canceled so that's disappointing but Matt Corby, he's a unique, unique voice. Uh, give him a listen. Okay, I'll check out. Just so you know, the correct check it out. The correct answer was the Saskatchewan Rush playlist on Spotify. That was the <laughs> that was the correct answer right there. 
Yeah, that, that gets you jacked up. You got to calm down a little bit. Right okay, now. fair enough. Uh, hey, Evan, appreciate you doing this. Appreciate you actually returning my text this time. Uh, <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> stay safe, my friend, and uh, hopefully we, we get back at playing some lacrosse sooner and later here, man. Be well. Absolutely. You guys too. All right. That was Evan Kirk, 35, in your Lucky Rush program. And um, – we, we're in jest here, of course. Uh, love to have Evan on the program. That was a great conversation uh, along with Jeff Shatler as well. Yeah, two guys with lots of great things to say. I, I, I don't know, I sound like a broken record, but this team is just full of guys who are very, you know, give a lot of thought to their answers, you know, when you, and you ask them questions. It could be a little lacrosse or all kinds of other stuff, as we've just heard from uh, our two guests here uh, on this episode. So, yeah, always love getting a, a little bit more uh knowledge for the background and uh really interesting to hear Evan talk about the Orangeville system too. I mm-hmm. thought that was really really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I sit pretty close to to Evan on the bus ride from the hotel to the Sastel Center and and if there's one thing I've learned is that you can you can talk and have a little chat and joke around with Evan uh, on you know morning shoot around. But when it gets a little closer to game day you just just stay away from 35 and yeah. let him focus up and do his thing. He gets into the zone pretty early and, and uh, it's kind of like a pitcher in baseball. You just don't talk, don't talk to the goalie, just leave him alone and, and let him do his thing. It's been working seemingly. There you go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. was having a great year and uh, lots of good years ahead for number 35 as well. Let's take one more quick break here. Flats in. We'll come back and wrap up the final episode of the rush hour podcast right after this. Hey, Rush Nation, this is Ryan Bills from the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to the Rush Hour podcast presented by Berlin Ford Linton, your premier choice Ford Linton dealer in Saskatoon. Back on the final quarter of the Rush Hour podcast, presented by our thanks again to Merlin Ford Lincoln for sponsoring the podcast this year. You need a new Ford or Lincoln, go to Merlin Ford Lincoln. They are your premier choice for Fords and Lincolns in Saskatoon. Last quarter here, Ryan Flaherty, Jake Elliott with you, and uh, not too much time left here on the Rush Hour podcast if we want to keep it around an hour, which we want to do here, Flats. So not not much news to talk about either. I mentioned that the Rush Hour or the Saskatchewan Rush pod, or let me try that again. The playlist on Spotify. Have you checked this out yet, Flats, on Spotify, the Saskatchewan Rush playlist? You know what? I've been delinquent in that uh, duty, so I'm going to have to get on that here. I suggest and, uh, you do. Have a listen, but I'm sure there's plenty of great like DJ anchor selections in there uh, that oh, we're, yes. we get to hear at the at the barn. He's the best, DJ Anchor. He'll be back next year as well. I've seen, uh, I've been following along on the Rush website and their social media channels. I suggest you do the same as well at Sask Rush. Uh, .com is the website, and I see that, you know, through this tough time, they've still been doing the work in the community, participating in parades and, and you know, doing some special things like I saw with Mason and, and wishing him a happy birthday. Obviously, kids are suffering. They can't have uh, normal birthday parties, uh, but the Rush doing their part, helping out around the community, which is just fantastic to see them stay engaged through this COVID pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a it's such a big thing for all a lot of these leagues, and especially like you know when you get below sort of the the, the quote unquote big four, because 
I mean, you know, people have limited resources and this pandemic has been a, a, a an issue for a lot of people on a, from a financial side and, and, you know, even to think about buying tickets for games when games swing back, that might be different. And it's important to keep your fans engaged and remind them you're still around and, and, and do what you can to make sure that when you are back, that you, those, those crowds come back too. So, I mean, there's part of that, but I think it's also just part more about, you know, being part of a community at a time that the community needs to come together. And when you're in a situation like this, you need the community organizations with the greatest visibility to kind of be part of, of the sort of the togetherness and help bringing people together. So I know the rush are doing what they can in that regard. I see there earlier today. In fact, I believe they've, they're putting out a call for uh, high school graduates. I yeah, think if you grad photos. send them in your info, uh, there's going to be some kind of, I don't know the details yet of how they're going to sort of uh, pay tribute to high school grads who are also rush fans. But uh, so if you're listening to this and you've got a, kid who is graduate from high school or you are someone who's graduate from high school you should uh, look up the rush and send them your info and uh, they're going to be doing something special for those grads as well so great to see that yeah and kudos to the urban family providing 1400 1400 saskatchewan rush jerseys to co-op employees i thought this was a pretty cool story as well yeah that was that was a nice gesture as well because obviously those co-op folks have you know been on the front lines uh, while this is all going on as people still need groceries and things like that and gas. And, and so they've been putting themselves in, in the public uh, uh, in you know, at risk potentially. Uh, and so it was a nice little gesture, not a little gesture, a nice gesture uh, by the rush uh, to recognize those people. Actually. Yeah. And speaking of those jerseys flats, don't forget the team store still open for business. Uh, you want to get yourself some rush swag. Don't be shy. Hop on the website, get into the team store, or stop by and uh, pick up that always, always open for uh, Saskatchewanrush.com. And lastly here flats, as we wrap things up on the rush, Hour podcast, first off, I, I just want to say thank you for participating uh, all season long. It's so much better to, to be able to, to kind of bounce things off of somebody than rather just have, hear my voice the entire time. So I appreciate you coming on Rush Hour this year and, and doing this with me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, man, I appreciate the invitation. I mean, I always, I've enjoyed calling games with you for the last uh, two seasons, and uh, this has been a nice way to kind of extend that partnership. And uh, for me, obviously, with my day job here at Global Saskatoon and you know, I, I don't always get a chance to talk to the athletes uh, and get, you know, a little deeper dive with them mm-hmm. like we get to do here on this podcast. And uh, the Rush have been great. You know, they've, they're very giving of their time with the local media. But the fact is, they're not here in town most of the time. So we have a very limited window. So it's great to get a chance to uh, to sort of dig into some things with them in this format and uh, get a chance to get to know them a little better because then, you know, from a selfish level, that just helps me do my job better <laughs> on the other side too. So uh, anytime you can get more insights from, from people is a, is a good thing. So I've been glad to do it and uh, hopefully we can do it and continue on next season. hundred percent, man. And, and finally here on rush hour, uh, sad news coming and, and tough news here. Former Saskatchewan Rush goaltender, champion with the Rush as well, Aaron Bold. Uh, many people will know his and his, his wife's story, Michelle Fiennes, who's been battling cancer so, so hard for 
I don't even know how long, at least a couple of years here, Flats, and Michelle finally succumbing to cancer and, and losing her battle. And, and listen, uh, everybody in Rush Nation, and, and I know he's no longer with the team, loves Aaron Bold. And, and I, I said to him yesterday, if there is ever a guy that I know – possesses the courage and, and the strength to get through a tragedy like this. It's Aaron Bold. He's one of the most positive people I know, and I know he's going to persevere and, and get through this. And somehow, some way, some good is going to come out of this uh, with, with what Michelle meant to so many people. I know they're doing a yellow balloon project, and it doesn't it doesn't make – I don't know if it makes it any easier, Flats, but – and this is difficult to say, but – to know that the end is coming and and being able to prepare and and talk about things and get your things in order and all that sort of stuff rather than having a sudden loss i don't know if it's easier but i think in some regards it is so i i hope aaron is at peace and i know michelle is now and i just i just wanted to send out my sincere condolences and thoughts to to the fines family to the bold family and to let Aaron know that the entire lacrosse community and Rush Nation is here for him if, if he should ever need anything. Yeah, and I can certainly loudly uh, second that. And I actually uh, went through a similar situation with my mother 10 years ago. And, and I know Aaron uh, and Michelle, you know, she her cancer journey began before the Rush even came to Saskatchewan. So... This was a long, and there was a remission period, I believe. I don't want to speak in too much great detail because I'm not super familiar with all of the details. But this is something that they, as a family unit, were dealing with for a lot of years. And, uh, you know, Aaron comes to Saskatchewan, Champions Cup MVP first year uh, here with the Rush, and next to Jeremy Thompson, probably the most popular player uh, that first year here with the rush, uh, all the while, you know, in the background, this, you know, there's ups and there's downs. And, uh, you mentioned the opportunity to get some sort of closure. We, like I said, I experienced that with my mom. She was initially diagnosed in 1994 remission for several years and ended up uh, passing away 10 years ago, actually next month. Um, but it was, there was some comfort, in her being able to kind of sit, have us all sit down and kind of lay out her plans and, and those sorts of things. So I hope that they get the family can, can take some comfort and, and having the whole lacrosse community, uh, having your back that, that has to be a nice comfort as well. So yeah, definitely sending out my condolences as well. And, uh, and best wishes for the bold and fines families. Absolutely. Well said, partner. And uh, lastly, big thanks to Merlin Ford Lincoln, to the Urban family, to you, of course, Rush Nation, for for listening to Rush Hour all season long, to all the guests that came on the podcast this year. Big thanks to those guys as well. And and the last one to you, Flats. Uh, This was a whole lot of fun and look forward to next season and getting back to normal once again but for now we are done big thanks to jeff shatler and evan kirk for coming on this month and we will talk to you soon for merlin ford lincoln ryan flaherty i've been jake elliott we'll talk to you later rush nation for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator be safe and be healthy everybody